Okay, so now we're going to get into the message, and I'm looking forward to this message, too. So this is Grace Gifts, and um, yeah, I'm just really looking forward to the gifts that God has given us through Grace. So I really want to pray quickly for Anthony, and um, just invite him up, and I want to welcome him. Um, Father, thank you so much for Anthony, and that um, you have given him the strength and the empowerment to speak over us and speak the truths that you have given him. And I just pray that he would be able to exhort us with your words and not his own. Um, just open his mouth and help your words to flow out of it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, Leah. Wow, that's great. Uh, I do want to say one more thing about church at the lake, okay? Yes, we're actually having our whole church service at the lake. We will not be here. We will be yes. at the lake. So I believe that starts at 2 in the afternoon. I've seen a happy dance from Grant. So if you come here at 6.30 or 6.45 or 7.01 or whenever you normally come here, you will be sorely disappointed. For lo, there will be no service. And all of your friends will be happier and full of grilled food and more tan and at Ramona Park. If you've never been baptized, we are going to be at a lake. So let me know ahead of time. Last year we baptized somebody and it was awesome. I'd love to do that again. It was a good time. We snuck down to the no swimming section and blessed it. And yeah, it was fun. So come for that. All right. I am Pastor Anthony, as Leah said. This is New Day Vine, and we are starting a new series. We're talking about God's grace still. We spent a few months defining what it was, and now we're talking about what it does. What is grace in action? Grace is more than just God feeling nice feelings, right? Grace is the rubber meeting the road. And today we're going to open it up with an introduction into the grace gifts. So I'm not going to get into any of the particulars about any of the gifts today. I'm going to give an overview about the gifts. And if that sounds boring to you, I apologize. I hope to disappoint because I had a riot making this sermon. I mean, some of them are more fun than others. It's no secret. I had a lot of fun with this one, so I hope it goes well. There's not too much humor, but it's good. All right, let's dive in. First, we're going to play an imagining game, okay? We're going to imagine we have an audacious goal, all right? There are lots of mountains in the world. Here's a picture of several of them. But you may notice that there's one of them that sticks out, okay? It's just a little bit bigger than the other mountains. And I have no doubt it might be fun and challenging to climb some of those lower hills or some of those surrounding peaks. But man, I believe that's Everest. It should be because that's what Google said. And Everest is just large and in charge, right? It is the biggest mountain in the world. And every year, people set out as their goal to climb Everest. We've all heard of Everest, even though it's on the other side of the globe. It's famous because it's a huge deal, right? It's also dangerous. A few days ago, I found online that the death count for this climbing season, which just started, is already to three or four. Everest kills people, a lot of people, every year. It is not a game. There's books about it. There's movies about it. This is a pretty audacious goal, right? But in spite of the difficulty, there is a certain type of person that sees Everest and just has to do it, right? Like, that's the only one for me. I will ascend the mountain. I got to do it. It's like, yes, but people die. Like, it's my goal, man. It's my lifelong dream. Why are you dreaming about going and getting hypothermia at 29,000 feet? I can't explain it. I just got to do it. 
right? And so they go and they, they get what they need. They get the supplies. They get the Sherpas. They spend, I think, months actually preparing and going and doing it. And they climb Everest. That's a heck of a goal, isn't it? Let's imagine that our goal is not to climb Everest, but our goal is to take on the character absolutely and totally to become a carbon copy of God himself. A God who showed himself in Jesus, who is so multifaceted, so multidimensional, so perfect, so not cookie cutter, so not predictable that he could simultaneously be the savage conqueror of darkness, right? That could only be called the lion of the tribe of Judah. The guy who slays the dragon in Revelation and stomps on the devil's head. The guy who is sitting on a throne above all the principalities in heaven. That guy, a tough guy, a conqueror, a champion. The guy who tells the Pharisees, what's up? And yet simultaneously, he's so complicated. He's also the lamb that was slain. The person who gives his life, pours out everything for people that do not deserve it. And is the ultimate display of what it looks like to be submitted and to be humble. Now, this is a very difficult goal. This is impossible. It's impossible. But this is, in fact, the goal for all of us individually and all of us as a church. We just got done talking about Ephesians 4. Paul says this about the gifts to the church in Ephesians 4. He says, but to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. That means as he chooses to give it. Until we all reach unity in the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Ephesians 4, 7 and 13. He's saying in Ephesians God is giving you these gifts of grace because he wants you as a church and individually to take on the full character of Jesus. It's like we're all part of, you know, I use the mech warrior because it's my generation, right? We like Voltron and Gundam Wing and all that stuff. You know, it's like the mech warrior is made up of all these different parts. You know what I mean? And the church is like the different parts. Paul uses a similar analogy, but he didn't know about mech warriors back in the day. Bless him. So he used the imagery of a body. Right? 1 Corinthians 12, 7, 13, 27, and 14, 12, all mashed together. It's still the Bible, trust me. Say this. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. For we were all baptized by one Spirit so as to form one body. Now you are the body of Christ. And we can kind of trace Paul's thought, right? He's like, the goal is to become the full image of Jesus Christ. We're all the body of Jesus. We're growing up. We're becoming more mature. And then he says that to each of you, you're each a part of it, and since you're eager for gifts of the Spirit, try to excel in those that build up the church. Why? Because that's the body of Christ. And what's the goal? Scoot back a slide. We're supposed to attain the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. So we have an impossible goal. I want to say that a difficult goal, like Everest, requires help. But an impossible goal requires divine help. Our goal is only achievable if God gives us the grace and the abilities to achieve it. This is essentially what the spiritual gifts are. 
So now we're going to work our way through a paragraph that I wrote, and we're just going to kind of break it up, and we're going to look at each part, and we're going to get a grasp on an overview of the gifts. First of all, the spiritual gifts are expressions of God's grace. The gifts themselves are grace. They are. Grace has to be more than just God feeling nice. So here's an analogy. Actually, not quite yet. I'm really excited about the analogy, though. <laughs> 1 Corinthians 12.4 says there are diversities of gifts but the same spirit. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and also Romans chapter 12. If you want to talk about the gifts, those are good places to go. As well as 1 Corinthians 14, which we'll get to later. But he says there's a bunch of gifts but the same spirit. We're going to go to the Greek really quick. This word for gifts is the word charisma. Uh-huh. From the word charizomai. Why do you care about that? Well, I don't know that you do. It is kind of nerdy and fun. But the first part of that word is charis. And we remember what charis is. That's the word for grace. If we go to our, our buddy Mounts and his Mounts' expository, we discover that the word for gift here, charismata, is related to grace. It refers to the giving of a gift that is unattainable, unrequested, or even undeserved. The spiritual gifts themselves, all of them, are expressions of God's grace. Here is a really fun analogy. Let's imagine that you and your friends are fighting zombies. Yes, the zombie apocalypse has happened, okay? And you've got a gun and your friend has a chainsaw. It's going splendidly well, as it always does when you have a good team. You need a chainsaw and a baseball bat and a gun, usually. You know, you're back-to-back, -back. things are going well, but you're running out of bullets. And your friend is running out of gas for the chainsaw, okay? And then all of a sudden, God appears. <laughs> Poof! He comes down. And you're shocked, and you're like, surely we're saved, right? And then God speaks, and God says to you and your friends, you're battling the undead horde. Just wanted to drop in and say, I really like you guys. Like, a lot. You're totally my favorite. And then he disappears. <laughs> Is that grace? No! Because you got no bullets for the gun, you got no gas for the chainsaw, right? The person swinging the bat is still tired, and inevitably, you know, things take their course, okay? <laughs> that is not grace. Who gets the joke here? Anybody? Say it, say it. Dark souls. Dark souls, amen. You died, is what the slide says. Okay, I'm sorry. I told you I had fun. But this is actually important, okay? Listen. There is a difference between the benevolence of God... God's feeling good things towards you, and grace. Grace is God putting his goodness into action. In this analogy, grace would be bullets for the gun and gas for the chainsaw. Grace matters. Grace works. Grace actually helps us. If we were going to climb Everest, we would need real help, not just an encouragement from a satellite phone, right? We'd need people to carry food and people to carry the tents and people to carry the the material for fire, we need actual stuff to actually help us actually do the thing. That is what the grace gifts are. So, clicker, come on. The spiritual gifts are expressions of God's grace that surpass natural ability. This means you have more than a normal capacity to do a normal thing if you have a gift for that thing. If you read in Romans 12 specifically, and 1 Corinthians 12 as well, 
many of the gifts look like normal stuff. Wisdom, knowledge, faith, helping. Come on, dude. Helping, guidance, serving, encouraging, giving, leading, being merciful, teaching. You don't really need like God to come down and supernaturally endow you to do these things, do you? And the answer is no. In fact, most of these things we are obligated to be doing as followers of Jesus. We had better be being merciful. Amen? We had better have some wisdom. And if you don't have it, the Bible actually says, ask for it. You can ask for it for yourself. Amen. That's right. Amen. You can ask for it for other people. We need wisdom. We need to help people. We need to be serving. How many of us? Just those that are gifted with serving? No. Everybody. So what's the difference between just serving and having the gift of serving? Being a helpful person or someone who has the gift of being helpful. And I'm going to say it's a capacity issue that is noticeable when you see someone who has it. Hospitality. We're supposed to be hospitable, right? All of us. Have you guys been to the Sager's house? Andy and Levi. You walk in. You want to live there. It's instantaneous. It, I'm getting nods all over the room. It is absolutely correct. Two years ago, I got chicken pox. It was awful to have adult chicken pox. It was the worst thing probably ever in my life. Had nowhere to go. I called the Sagers, and the Sagers said, come over. And for eight days, I lived in their house. And when the pain and the agony finally subsided, I realized... I kind of like that. <laughs> That's crazy. You know, the chicken pox were still terrible, but it was just being in the environment of someone who had such a hospitable gifting and such peace. I kind of felt like, I kind of felt guilty. I felt like I had a vacation. You know, they have more than normal capacity for hospitality. Here's another example I love the gym. I've been in the gym since I was 12. This lady taught me how to do it. Amen. You know, I've always liked it, it's never been work for me. You know, and so I've been diligently doing it, not because I have so much discipline, but because it's actually fun, right? So I've been working hard at it. So what's the difference between a guy like me who has really been dedicated and worked hard in the gym and a guy like this? <laughs> this guy is, he is not on steroids. He's in a drug testing <laughs> federation. Jemmy. <laughs> this is the guy I look to to get psyched. He is notorious for being a super humble and lovable and nice human being. And his name is Taylor Atwood. He's the world champion at my weight in the world. World champion of the universe, as they say. Here are some of his lifts. They're better now, but these are the ones he won worlds with last year. A 607-pound squat, a 418-pound bench press, and a 646-pound deadlift. I could train and be diligent my whole life and maybe never attain anything even close to these numbers. I would have to almost double my totals on these lifts. No kidding. To reach what this guy does as a matter of course. The things that I can barely do on a good day after I've like optimized my rest and eating would be somewhere in the middle of this guy's warm-up. <laughs> like, you know? And does that mean I'm weak and I should just quit? No, man, we should all be fit, right? We should exercise, all that stuff. But man, is there a gulf between what I can do and what someone who's gifted can do? And that is what I think the spiritual gifts are. God just gives a guy faith over and above the faith that we are all obligated and should have 
the faith that can sustain a room, man. The faith where everything is, is crashing all around, maybe the government, who knows what. You know, everything is going down the drain. And you got this person that's like, no, God is faithful. We're going to get through this. And he lifts up the whole group. Man, that's a gift of faith. You know, the spiritual gifts are greater than a normal capacity. Let's move on. Goodbye, Taylor. Thank you for this one. Spiritual gifts are expressions of God's grace that surpass natural ability and are selectively given. No, you didn't get them all. <laughs> so this is something that comes up when you talk about spiritual gifts is, you know, how malleable are they? Like, what, I got something, I want something else, can I change it, whatever? Let me tell a story. So I was at a, a street ministry training, and I won't say where one, because it'll give it away. And uh, we went out to learn how to do street ministry, right? And so me and a group of four or five people, uh, we walked into this little, like, a Hardings downtown on the east side. And uh, the guy who's leading our team to kind of show us how to do it, he's like, all right, check this out, guys. I mean, we're prayed up. He's a nice guy. He looks normal. He looks normal. He does not look like the kind of person that's going to go up to the older gentleman stocking the cooler and say, hey, I just really feel like I want to pray for your son who's in the military and he's having a rough time. The guy about dropped the eggs. He's like, how did you know I have a how did you know I even have a son? How did you know he was in the military? How did you know he's having a rough time? And he's like, hey, man, I just believe that God gives us words of wisdom and knowledge for people, and he just really loves you and your son, and can I pray for you? And that guy was like, yeah, yeah. Uh -oh. and he like, sends his eggs down, you know, gets prayer. His mind is blown, and we're standing there like, was it staged? Did you slip him a five before you walked in? You know? And then he continues to do that kind of stuff to three, four, five more people. And I'm like blown away. And I'm super encouraged and I'm built up, you know, because I'm like, look at the cool stuff God can do, right? We get back to base camp, so to speak, and I'm talking about how unbelievable this was. And one of the ladies there looks at me and my group and says, and just think, all of you guys could be doing that every day. And I thought, no, we can't. <laughs> you know, maybe some of us can. And I, this is one of those churches, right? You just heard we have random ministry up here. You know, we believe in the prophetic. But I'm here to tell you what. No, not all of us can walk up and totally read a guy's mail like that. No, we can't. Sure, God can do what he wants. And he can supernaturally give you the ability to do that. But this guy had a gift. He didn't ask for it. He got it. God bless him, he's using it. But we don't all have the same gifts. They are, in fact, selectively given. Paul says this in 1 Corinthians 12, 7 to 11. I'm, I'm going to shorten it down. I'm just going to read a catchphrase, okay? We're not going to read all five or whatever verses. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one there is given, blank. And to another, 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 and to still another. You got it? You got it that he didn't just use a comma. He's repeating, and to another, over and over again, to specify different people are getting these abilities. And he ends with, all these are the work of one and the same spirit, and he distributes them to each one, just as he determines. You don't get them all. Some people get some, some people don't get some. This is the way it works. Paul continues, using the analogy of a body, remember, because our goal is to be built up into Christ. If the foot should say, 
because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I don't want to be part of the body. I want it to be an eye. All the cool kids are eyes. I'm not an eye. I do not belong to the body. It would not for that reason stop being a part of the body. This is important. Forgive the comedy. I enjoy it. But I like it. Paul is foreseeing that there is some pouting going on in the church, right? Because some people are feet, right? And other people get to be eyes. Feet in a culture where you walk around almost barefoot all the time and the lowest servant in the room is tasked with washing your nasty feet. You're going to tell somebody he's got it. Look, man, hey, we're making a whole body, all right? We, we drew lots. You got the feet. I'm sorry. It had to happen. Somebody had to be the face. Like, oh, but Jimmy got to be the teeth. Well, I'm sorry, you know. There's a reason... There's a reason that it's divvied up, okay? Paul foresees issues, but then he says this. The eye cannot say to the hand, which was not glorious, I do not need you. And the head, Christ himself, cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. The gifts are divvied up. Some people getting some, other people getting others. So that we need to need each other. Amen. The body of Christ, the church, Christians, everyone in this room, we are made not only to need Jesus. He could have made us, I think it was Chris Valentin that said, God could have made us to only need him if he wanted. But he didn't want to. God made us to need him first and then everyone else second. We are made to need other believers. It's part of the plan. And that's why to one is given and to another and to another and to another. Moving on. The spiritual gifts are expressions of God's grace that surpass natural ability, are selectively given to help us achieve the goal of becoming like Jesus. All of the gifts are only appropriate when they are used towards this goal. We're going to talk about tongues next week. But Paul had to address a big issue in the Corinthian church, and he went to great lengths to talk about it. You had people who established a hierarchy of gifts, right? And one of the ones they really wanted was tongues, but then the people who had the gift of tongues were acting crazy. <laughs> we believe in tongues. Next week I'm going to talk about how you can believe in it, love it, steward it, be encouraged by it, and not be a weirdo. <laughs> because one of the messages of 1 Corinthians 14 is, guys... Yes, this is from the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit gave you a nice gift. Stop running around and waving it over your heads and hitting people with the nice gift. Okay, this is not the way we're supposed to use it. The gifts are supposed to be used towards this end. Here's an interesting verse. We read it earlier. We're going to get nerdy for a minute, okay? I read this verse because I wanted to know what the Greek word for gifts was. I am not a super expert in Greek. I took Greek 1 and 2. I liked it. I had a certain capacity for it. I'm not like a super Greek scholar. But even I read the Greek translation and I thought to myself, self, I don't think that says what they say it says. Here's what the NIV and the NLT translate 1 Corinthians 14, 12 as. Since you are eager for gifts of the Spirit, try to excel in those that build up the church. The NLT is here. Since you are so eager to have the special abilities the Spirit gives, seek those that will strengthen the whole church. 
Not bad. These are not unbiblical, right? You should want to strengthen the whole church. Amen? Amen. You can find this point in other verses. They're not making something up. But in the Greek, I got a different vibe. So I thought, I wonder how other translations translate this. And I discovered that almost every other translation, the King James Version, the New King James Version, the CSB, the NASB, the NET, the RSV, the ASV, the YLT, the ESV, the ABC, the XYZ, all of them, <laughs> almost all of them translate it something like this. This is out of the Net Bible. Since you are eager for manifestations of the spirit, the Greek actually just says the spiritual, seek to abound in order. Somebody say in order. In order. In order to strengthen the church. This is a massive change. This is not small. Because the NIV and the NLT make it seem like Paul is saying, don't pick those nasty, second-rate, selfish gifts. Pick the good ones that build up the church. But almost every other translation reads that you should seek to abound in order to build up the church. Paul is addressing motive, not type. Motive, not type. Whatever gifts you have, make sure that you want to abound in those gifts towards the right purpose. What's the goal, guys? The goal is that we grow up into Jesus. You want the gift of encouragement? Awesome. Why? Just to have it? No, because that will help build up the church. Amen. You really want to speak in tongues? Why? Well, I want to build up the church. Okay, great. It's motive. The spiritual gifts are expressions of God's grace that surpass natural ability and are selectively given to help us achieve the goal of becoming like Jesus. In closing, I will say, sure, but. Because there's always the question that comes at the end of spiritual gifts. There's, what spiritual gift do I have? And then there's, okay, that's fine, but I want the cool gifts. Right? <laughs> but I want the neat ones. Like, I got help and I got encouragement, but, oh man, that dude prophesying in Hardings, that was awesome. Like, am I allowed to want that? What does the Bible say? Like, if I'm really good at teaching, you know, but gosh, I'd like to read a guy's mail and just see the Holy Spirit break him down into a sobbing mess and then get to pray the salvation prayer. Like, can I, can I get that? And if that's you and you, and you want to have some, some of the cool gifts, and even Paul says, guys, there's cool gifts. There's greater gifts. You know what I mean? I'm going to give you a two-step plan. You ready? Yep. Step one, use what you have. Hmm. This is not just pastoral advice or Anthony trying to, like, dodge the bullet or something. This is actually what Paul says to do in Romans chapter 12. This is pretty clear. Check it out. Romans 12, 6 to 8. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, what do you think you should do? Prophesy, Prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then what? Serve. Serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. You have a spiritual gift. You might think it's lame. I would encourage you to stop thinking that. Because the fact is we need all of them. And the people that have the gifts that you think are so cool desperately need you. Use what you have. Use it to God's glory. Use it wholeheartedly. Step two. 
Ask for what you want. Ask for it. You want it, guess what? Paul says, you should want it. Right after he makes this distinction that not everybody has everything in 1 Corinthians 12, he finishes up in 29 to 30 by saying this. Are all apostles? He's fishing for a no. You know, that should be obvious. Are all prophets? No. Are all teachers? No. Do all work miracles? No. Man, he's picking on us now. Do all have gifts of healing? Again, no. Dang it, I've been praying for that for three months. Do all speak in tongues? No. Do all interpret? No. And then he says this, which is really interesting. Now, eagerly desire the greater gifts. Use what you have wholeheartedly because the church needs you. I'm telling you what, we need the encouragers, man. Give me a church full of encouragers. Give me a church full of servants. Give me a church full of merciful people, you know? Man, and then we add prophecy and stuff like that. Man, that's a good place to be. We need you no matter what your gifts are. But I want to end with this. After Paul says to desire the greater gifts, acknowledging that there are greater gifts, you know, and then saying you should want them, he immediately launches into 1 Corinthians 13. And in the middle of his discussion on spiritual gifts, spends an entire chapter talking about what? Love. Why in the world would he do that? He just gives this dissertation on gifts that we didn't get them all, you need them all, you can want the greater ones. And then he says, but let me show you the most excellent way, real quick. Let me take a little, we're going to take a little rabbit trail, a little excursus if you're extra snooty. You know, and we're going to take an excursus and we're going to talk about the character of God. Love. And I want to tell you guys that this is the way you have to operate because I'm bringing you all the way back around to the goal. Don't forget that our goal is to take on the full measure of Christ. It's impossible. This is hard. This is impossible. Never lose sight of the fact that these gifts you've been given are gifts not only to you, but to everyone else to achieve the impossible goal of looking, thinking, and even feeling like Jesus. Amen. That's the intro. Thank you, Leah. Here you go.